Hello and welcome to Super Boothers. I am Wendy Williams' replacement, Ryan Salinas. And I will be replacing Ellen Ismail. <laughs> the, I, wish. Think, like, I think I think it's kind of interesting because like in the 90s, like Ricky Lake and Sally Jesse Raphael and Jerry oh, wow. Springer and Oprah and Phil Donahue, they all had like, you know, all their shows. And now it's going to be Sherry Shepard and Kelly Clarkson. And like there's just like a whole like mashup happening again. I kind of like it. It's crazy. You just brought back. You know, all these people from the olden days, like even Rosie O'Donnell back in the day. Yeah. Oh my she, gosh. Like, with her, like <laughs> she, with Listerine and she had a beef with mouthwash. Like who does that? And then like the shift to Ellen's generation. And I guess even that late night, Jimmy Fallon's and whatnot. Oh, I feel I like this, lately. this new era that you just mentioned with Sherry Shepard and whoever else, I feel like I have no idea what's going on anymore. And I'm totally disconnected. Well, that feel, probably, probably a good yeah. thing. Probably a good thing. Uh, Funny enough, I went to Los Angeles this weekend. We went for lunch. And uh, if you're in LA, there's this fabulous new restaurant. It's called The Hideaway. And I just have to talk about it because it's amazing. But we went to this bookstore and I found an old book of Phil Donahue's. I was like, wow, that's a blast from the past. I just like how you have, uh, you know, just a little lunch trip to uh, Los Angeles. I was (laughs) was bored that morning. (laughs) I was like let's go. I want to have lunch. And I want, I saw this restaurant on TikTok. I was like, I want to go to there. <laughs> well, there you go. A day in the life of Ryan Salinas. <laughs> Listen, if I get one day off, I'm going to use it. Like that's how this works. Love um, it. I went to, uh, I know I you went to, to uh, Sesame Street World or Land. Yeah, or I actually, that's, I was going to say, I went to Sesame Place for the first time for people who are familiar <laughs> with it. I think there's one in San Diego now. But I went to the one in Philadelphia uh, to bring the kids, and you know it was fun. There's there's definitely more age appropriate rides for toddlers, hundred percent. But just the entire time there, my thought was like, how, Disney is a class how above. How did, I, how did I get here? Why, Disney is why, a class above everybody. Yeah, it's just not even comparable. It's it's no wonder they're dominating. Um, but they don't the the whole Disney World theme parks are not geared towards toddlers no so like there, there's a lot more rides not. yeah so that's the benefit of going somewhere like that but yeah like they did a parade and i mean disney world is just yeah can't compare that's a little it's a little too like i don't even want to go to disney world anymore like it's just it used to be you could hey do you want to go to disney world and then you'd get up that morning you'd fly in you'd go the thing do your day and then you'd get back on the plane you go home and it just does not work like that anymore. Like you cannot do Disney World spontaneously. There's like reservations and apps and yeah. tickets that have time dates, and you have to like bow to Disney the statue before you go in. Just like Kim Jong Un, <laughs> like it's North Korea. Like there's just so much happening. I don't know what to do. You have to give like an offering of flowers. If you it had, is crazy. If you had have noticed, I went down a little North Korea wormhole uh, a couple of nights ago. <laughs> So I know far too much about what is going on. I was going to say, should we be a little concerned? You had, you had the whole procedure down pat there. I was like, listen, they don't have photo booths there. So how do I break into that market? Because that is a captive audience. But you're, you're right about Disney world. It's not like it used to be. Um, And I learned this from you. You you helped me with this experience. It's like even booking reservations for restaurants, is like a whole mission in itself. You got to like plan it months in advance. It's just, it got so difficult. Um, well, and then the like the walk up line, you have to like tackle a Karen, and then you have to like bribe the cast member. It's just it's just too much now. Yeah, 
But it's like other news. <laughs> well, I'll leave that. I'll leave that one there. Yes. <laughs> I also had my daughter's first day of preschool yesterday, so I'm getting old. Oh. And, you know, I feel like we talked. We've talked about on the show like when I had my daughter, and now it's like I'm bringing her to preschool. Like, wow, man, time flies. It's crazy. Um, and yet, I haven't aged a day. <laughs> I think, yeah, you've got you've gotten younger. Apparently, I think I am. But to everyone listening, that's parent. They all know bringing them to the first, like the first child's first day of school is a whole experience. So like that just happened to us yesterday. So yeah, it's a new era. Did we cry? Did the kid cry? Did we have you know problems? What? Surprisingly, um, I don't know if anyone listening would relate, but like a lot of my other friends also had their first day for their first kid. My sister brought her daughter. Everyone's emotional. Everyone's crying. We, so we were like ready for that, but it wasn't that bad. Like we didn't really get that emotional. And I think kudos to my daughter because (laughs) no, my daughter handled it well. She was excited. Like we did a good job in getting her excited beforehand. Good. Our our school had like sessions. Like we went with her to school a few times to get familiar with the area. So it was like really organized well and she didn't really cry. So then we weren't really that emotional. So it worked out pretty well. That's nice that it was like an ease in. It wasn't just like throw you in the deep end. And that's one thing I noticed with other friends of mine like they just kind of they didn't know anything but we like went a couple times we met the teacher we were in the classroom they played in the classroom you met your fellow students it was really eased in very well so kudos to the school nice well anyways so today's episode we're just going to talk about a couple of random things there's a couple of tiktoks i want to talk about a couple of story times um last week or no wait a minute i guess maybe this was like three weeks ago we did an event uh, in Las Vegas, and I'm just going to go ahead and say wh- who it was for. So there is like I- – I'm probably not supposed to say this, but I'm just saying it anyways. There's like a beanbag company, and it's like decent beanbags, I guess, or adult beanbags or whatever. Wait, wait so you're sure, you're sure you're allowed to say this? You want to do this? I don't, yeah, sure. I don't care. Um, so it's norm- – normally I try and like not, but this one is okay because it does not matter. Um, <laughs> so this company is called Lovesack. Uh, Lovesack has actually really cool beanbags and furniture, and they have a couple of stores. I think I was first introduced to Lovesack at the Galleria Mall in Houston, um, where they have uh, a store there as well. Anyways, we got a call. Hey, can you do two 360s at this event? It's for like 500 people. I'm like, okay, but you want it for how long? Like five hours? Okay, that's... You really just need one. No, no, no. We want to, okay, hit times two on the invoice, send it out. They pay it. I guess we're bringing two to this thing. So we set up and we're at two opposite ends of a, of a ballroom. They're doing their like sales conference. I guess this is like the little manager's party. So like all the managers in the U.S. came in to like have a party or whatever. So we're, we're doing this event opposite ends of the room and it was actually really cool because they spent a lot of money on decor it was like a neon party and actually we have a couple of photos on our instagram and everyone's dressing up everyone is glowing everyone is like looking really cool it's so much fun well we end up i think this is probably about hour four so almost we're most definitely more than halfway through towards the end and people are 
coming onto the platform, doing their video, they're getting their video. Great. Fantastic. Um, they had like stilt walkers and performers and dancers and singers that were all like interacting with the crowd, but they were also partaking in like the activities as well. So they were just kind of like bringing life to the party, whatever. Not that this party needed any help with it, because let me tell you, those managers had an absolute blast. So one of the things that I always tell my 360 attendants is rewinding a little bit. We had an event also in Vegas for a, uh, a weed company. And this was funny enough, the first like cannabis event that we've done. And it was for a conference. And this one was the one last year, almost to the day um, where we had an instance of a guest coming on and I guess she was high and uh, I guess she was drinking as well, which for those that don't know, that's called crossfading and you don't do that. It's one or the other. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what is this amateur hour? So the more, you know, re the reading she, rainbow. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's such a problem. So she gets on the unit, the thing she, and she's what I don't understand is you you're in a line and you see people stepping on the platform and then the arms start spinning around the person. You're watching five people do this. Why do you think it's going to be different whenever you walk on it? Again, crossfaded. So she hops on the 360. The thing starts spinning. She starts spinning with it. She loses her balance and falls smack into the 360. So this is like an hour and a half into the event. The attendant calls me freaking out, Ryan, this thing is broken. It is like not salvageable. This thing is done. We have to go. We're leaving. So I'm like, okay, take pictures of every angle, get her information, talk to the venue. Like these are the things that you do. So I'd rather you have more information than not, because that's another thing is whenever someone falls on a 360, you don't want to, you know, um, not get a piece of information that could have been useful later. Like you don't want to have your insurance company say, Oh, well, why didn't you do this? Well, I didn't know. So I'd rather just have like a million photos, all this other stuff. The great thing that happened was a, she knew that she was at fault here. So she wasn't saying I'm going to sue, you know, you hurt me. She knew that she had screwed up and she was very embarrassed because not only did she fall and break the unit, she literally ruined it for everyone else. So, <clears throat> Um, anyways, I also assume that she's, she's at a company party and it doesn't look good. No, I mean, yeah. like, why would you, I don't know. That's just have one drink and then that's it. <clears throat> but anyways, um, and I, I'm, I'm absolutely sure I talked about this on a different episode, you know, a year ago or what have you. Um, point is she was like escorted out by, uh, security and I sound like Joan Rivers. Like what is going on with my voice here? <clears throat> Um, no. So she gets escorted out. We're taking photos. We ended up submitting a claim, uh, to our insurance. They, they paid it out. You know, all is fine. The problem is we can't get three sixties as quickly as we used to, yep. at least the ones that we use. So it's not necessarily the fact of, okay, this is broken. We can just get a new one. It's how long is it be till we can get a new one? We had an event in two days right after that. So we actually ended up getting uh, another one shipped in and then everything was fine. But the whole, the whole point of this thing was if, what if we hadn't have been able to get that equipment in, you know, and now, you know, we have a lot of backups and so, but 
if something happens in a different part of the country, we could still very well, you know, be screwed at the end of the day. So that's just kind of the bad taste that I have in my mouth is yes, she fell. She's technically okay. The arm was broken. When can we get the replacement? We don't know. So that's kind of like the little like knee jerk reaction that I have right now is, well, what, what do we do if we can't get it in? Do I have to refund all the other ones that aren't going to happen? Um, and actually there are some like, events that we have that are tours where, you know, we're doing, you know, 10, 11, 12 of these things all across the country. So we can't tell a longstanding client like that. No, you know? So anyways, so, uh, the CEO, oh crap. I forgot to do the stupid button. Oh yeah. There we go. That's my coming back to the story music. So anyways, so, so the CEO of love sack, gets on the 360 so actually there's like four people that were on there so four people get on the 360 the ceo of love sack gets on top of the 360 and they're carrying him like they are holding him like horizontally and parallel against the platform and i go no put him down and there's this little this little intern this little it person that's just so happy to be with the ceo he goes dude do you know who he is I go, dude, I don't care. He's the oh, CEO. No. He's the CEO. He's paying for all of this. I go, got it. Put him down. So what they want to do is they wanted to hold him up and have the 360 go around. <clears throat> so I'm like, absolutely not. This is absolutely not a thing that is happening. Put him down. And everyone is like looking at me like, wow, you just told him no. This dude never gets told no. And the, I think if you Google him or something, he's worth like, I don't know, four or five, six million. I don't know how much. You I don't should have been care. like, I'm Ryan Salinas. I'm the CEO of Urban Events. I was like, what now? I was, I was like I, I am the internationally tolerated Super Boother podcaster. No, absolutely if, if, not. If there was ever a moment that was appropriate for you to say, do you know who I am? Do you know who been, I am? It would have been right there. I can't it believe you missed been. it. It would. Well, I mean, I'm, anyways, I'm sure if I had an audience, I'm sure I would have, but or recording audio to play later, but no, but I'm like, I go put him down and the, and the CEO, like he gets put down and like, I'm not fat phobic. I'm just saying that there was a larger individual in the back that was losing his balance already. And all I could do is just see him losing his left foot and flying backwards. And I don't necessarily care about him. I care about my equipment. So <laughs> like, because that's the thing is if he's breaking, you know, a gigantic piece, an expensive piece of equipment, like I have to replace that. And not only that, I'm screwed out of it for the next, you know, three weeks or however long it's going to take to get replaced. And I'm just, was absolutely not about that. So then this CEO comes up to me after and he's like, I'm so sorry. I go, honestly, I go, it, no apologies. It's fine. And I told him, I was like, it's, I, it's about your safety and also the equipment. We can't get this stuff in. And he goes, got it. He goes, we've had supply chain issues. I get it. Say no more. And so that was, that was kind of the end of it, but I was just, well, I was going to say before you said that, that's really nice actually, because I was going to say as a CEO, he should understand. And you just kind of pointed out that he does. Right. And it's kind of, I respect when people of that caliber or that power level or however you want to say it are not just jerks. Like he could have been a jerk. Right. But it seemed like he was like, okay, he came down, he understood, he came to you. So that's cool in my book. I just don't understand. Like if you're that, if you're a CEO, 
and you're that valuable, like you said, he's worth a lot of money. What? How do you get to the point where your staff is like carrying you? I, like, just that image that you painted in my mind. I'm like, how does that get to that point? Um, they were all they, no, but they were all just having fun. And uh, like, I, if you look at like the love sack, you know, story, or whatever, they all started small. They're all a close knit team that just got bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. So I get it, <clears throat> you know, and I get how, you know, that kind of culture happens and that's great that that happened, but I'm not about to have anyone sue me, <laughs> you know, like I'm not, well, let it be known. If I'm the CEO, I do not want people carrying me around. Uh, it's, just, <laughs> it's just weird. It's just weird. Um, it was, and, and well, I, I think mean, if he knew, if he knew your perspective too, where it just, the other one just got damaged, like he would have understood even more. So, yeah, I get it. Uh, so anyway, so this next topic is this little, when both people curse on a call, the salesperson and the lead, the conversion rate and close rate is 8% higher. Yes. Yes. So the next time you call a lead, you say, hey, how the f are you doing? But what does that speak to? It speaks to rapport. But look, when, it's, when there's no cursing or just the prospect or just the salesperson, it's not as impactful. What do you think about that, cursing with a client on a phone call? Well, that statistic that he mentioned where it's more the conversion rate is higher. I feel like I'd want to dive into that more because I think if the other person that you're speaking to is a cursor, then yeah, obviously you're going to both relate and bond over that. And, and like I've, I used to work in, in corporate America, worked on wall street and I've seen instances like that where if your client is the partying type the cursing type or whatever, and you are as well, you bond and the sales a lot easier, but there's also the case where they're not like that. So like if, if someone is not a cursor, and you just start talking to them that way, I think the conversion rate would go way down. So for me, I don't act that way. Maybe it's because I came from that background of the more buttoned up corporate America, but just generally speaking, I don't operate that way because there's always, it's it's the balance of, yeah, if people are like that, you'd connect with them more, but there's also people that are not like that and you don't want to offend them and turn them away. So sure. the safer place to not do that. Um, and convert the general masses at a higher rate rather than trying to convert that pool at a higher rate, but convert the other pool at a lower rate, if that makes any sense. So there's, I have a couple of instances here. One, there are times where I, I, I won't be the first to curse. So if I'm on the phone with someone and someone says, you know, the F word, the S word, the, you know, whatever words, uh, if they see that first, I will take like the degree of that curse word and I'll go one below it. Like I won't, I won't go above it. If that <laughs> makes sense. Like if they say, heck, I'm not going to, you know, the F word, I'm, I'm going to stay in that, you know, area or whatever. So, but there was one time where I was on the phone with a client and I will, I get a kick out of this because I think that it's funny when people kind of not necessarily imitate you, but <clears throat> um, there was one client that I was working with on the phone and we were working with either a counterpart of hers or she went to a new job and we were working at, or we did an event with her previous job with her, I guess. I don't, I don't remember the dynamic, but I think what the case was, she was with this one client. We did the event. She left, went to another company. And then I guess didn't know how the subsequent events worked out or whatever. So I was chit-chatting with her 
And I didn't know the dynamic. Like, I don't know if she's still friends with this person. I, I go, I don't mean to speak out of turn, but and then told her like the drama that kind of went down with the other person. And she got a kick out of that. And she like kept on saying, she goes, Oh no, you're not speaking out of turn. Like, it's kind of like, like I was, I was trying to like give her dirt, but I didn't want to like admit that I was gossiping, but (laughs) it was, it was just kind of like a cute little thing that she like, I'm sure it's in her daily vocabulary now. And she says it once a week. Um, But at the same time, I have another client that actually just happened and she cussed like a sailor. And like, I don't know if this is like, I'm sure this is like sexist of me, but she was cussing far more than a man. I don't, and I don't think I would have cared for it if a man was cussing that much. Like, I mean, it was every other word out of her mouth. I'm like, I get it. If you're like punctuating, like, you're using it as an adjective or use I mean, she was using it as a noun, a pronoun, a verb, an <laughs> adverb. I, I mean, it was just it, a past participle. Like she was using curse words for everything and it was totally not necessary. I mean, it, 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 it was uncomfortable how much she was cussing either at me or to me or with me. I don't even know what it was. So it's just all around you. <laughs> It, it was far too much. I was like, who is this person? And actually, I want to say, I won't say the business name, but the business name was, uh, it was a little much. I'm like, okay, who's hiring you? I, I just do not understand how this dynamic worked out. So anyways, and actually we'll kind of, anyways, so she's cussing left and right. And my guys are like, whoa, she's cussing a little bit too much. And we have like one guy that works for us. That's like, he's not like sensitive. He's just uh, a little more attuned to people like being like mad at him, I guess. And was like, did I do something wrong? I was like, no, she just cusses that much. It's fine. Don't worry about it. So that part was a little weird because she made like other people uncomfortable. I think something that's standing out to me that uh, what you're saying is what I've noticed with, especially with you and also like other really talented salespeople in general is that you let the client or prospective client initiate first and you follow their lead. We all know people want to do business with people they know, like, and trust, right? So I, I find that the most um, talented salespeople take those cues and you, you know you can follow on and follow their lead and make them feel more comfortable and build that bond, but you let the client set the tone. And well, I just, it's, it's, it's matching their energy is what it is. Right. But I think there's like, I've seen, and I'm not going to go into specific details, but I feel like there's a lot of examples where I've seen you do this, where, for example, one time I think you were meeting someone and this person was like a frugal person. And that kind of goes at odds with all the fancy places you like to eat at, like flying to Los Angeles for lunch. Right. But you, you are able to pick up on that and you go to, you want to go to Denny's? I love Denny's. (laughs) A place that's more comfortable for them. And that kind of disarms them and makes them feel more at ease. And I think that that's just really like I'm one of the people. emotional <laughs> intelligence that a lot of people don't have. But as a salesperson, you got to have that. And I've mentioned this before, like one of the people that I know in my life that's extremely successful at sales, he goes into people's offices and the first thing he looks for is like photos, trophies, yes. anything that he can bond over. Like, And I think that you do that really well. I and do. this whole example... It's just one example of that, but I wouldn't advise you initiate that. As a salesperson, you follow the cues of the client. Yeah. So 
I did some research and actually I just saw a TikTok yesterday of Gary Vee talking about this and he was saying how in this day and age, we can find out anything about a person pretty quickly, whether that's a Facebook with LinkedIn and Instagram, a TikTok or whatever, you can find out a lot pretty quickly. And he was saying how people will, he goes, if you would have like told me, like, if I would have checked into a hotel 10 years ago and there was a Jets hat, he goes, I would have responded to that more so then compared to now. Now he gets that everyone like, he says he gets like a hundred emails a day that are, Hey, I can help you buy the jets because that's <laughs> like, I guess his like dream or whatever. And he goes, I just throw those out because it's just, they're, it's something that's just too well known. So anyways, so I was doing a little research and I ended up finding her LinkedIn and found out that she was from the college that she went to was the same college that I went to in San Antonio, Texas. I was like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. So then the next day, because she's like, it, it's, it was very difficult to work with her. And I typically don't say that often, but she was very down your throat and, and it could be over something little. And I mean, like we were fighting over like the lights that were above the trade show booth. I guess she had part of them turned off because they had a projector going and she's like, well, you can't see it. I was like, you absolutely can see it. It is fine. And it was just kind of blown out of proportion. But anyways, so we're chit-chatting about the entrance and exit of like how this like 360 works or what have you. And then she comes up and uh, she was talking to me about something. I go, oh, are you from San Antonio? And she goes, how do you know that? I go, because of your cell phone number is a 210 number. And she's like, oh, she was like, yeah, I, I used to live there. She's like, I went to college. I was like, oh, thank God she did it for me. She teed it up for me. I go, well, where did you go to college? And she told me where I said, I went there. And she's like, what? And I was like, yes. And so we chit-chatted, la, la, la. She still was cussing, still was down my throat, and it didn't change a damn thing. But <laughs> <laughs> Nice. But <laughs> that just kind of like what it was. Um, so anyway, that was that. that I, mean, I totally, that I totally agree with that. Like it's so easy nowadays to find out about people and – like I was, for example, recently hiring for some people on my team and almost everybody, and I'm sure people relate to this. Like when you're trying to hire for an attendant or for whatever, almost everybody does like the minimum required. That's just the kind of world we live in where they just do the minimum. Like just let me file this application. And the few people or like the one or two people that go above and beyond and like look I'm up your company quiet, quit. And, and research you and find out about you and, and sneak those references in instantly stand out. Like those are the people yeah. you hire. So it's the same thing when you're trying to win business as well. Like if there are clients that you, you value greatly or you want to win their business over, it doesn't take more than a few minutes to really find some things out about them. And I think the key thing is to incorporate that in a non-creepy way like you did. It wasn't like, hey, I looked you up and I saw this and blah, blah, blah. No, you kind of find natural ways to tie that into your conversation and if organically you're, build. Well, yeah. If you're smart, I mean, you, you, there are some people that can absolutely say, oh, my God, I stalked to you last night. And, you know, it's 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 okay because you're admitting it and we live in that kind of age where everything is just kind of out there. And it's actually not creepy anymore to research someone a little bit on public information. So I just think it depends on like your like sales style, you know? I just, yeah, I agree. And it just makes you stand out significantly because every, I think the main message that I want, want to communicate to people listening is that whether you're hiring, whether you're running a business, whether you're, you're trying to win clients, 
I feel like the majority of people, I don't know if this is a, a, this is a now thing or always thing, but the majority of your competitors, the majority of people in general, just do the minimum. And you don't have to do much more to stand out. Like it's like 3% more, 5% more. It doesn't take a lot of effort, but it makes a lot of a difference in the results. So I would advise everyone to just do that little bit of extra oomph to win and, and, and grow more. And I think we've talked you know, through all these episodes of a lot of different examples of that. Even this example of trying to bond with your clients, like the little Even the hard ones. Yeah, yeah. Especially so. the hard ones. So anyways, um, how often do you, and I know we've talked about this briefly where, you know, every now and then we, I think there's like, maybe there's like, I don't know, five episodes of me just being completely depressed and still recording. <laughs> um, how often do you think that you get down on yourself? Too often, too often. Um, what does that mean? Like once a week, once a month? Like, uh, Well, I would say like this past year has probably been, I would say the most difficult in that regard for me personally, just because, and it's not like things are going bad. They're actually going great, but sure. there's just, um, I don't know where we're going to go here, but like there's just so much. And I think I really have struggled balancing it all and I'm dropping like trying to be a good entrepreneur, be a good business person and the different things that I'm doing. I think that there's a lot of them like that alone is hard enough, but like balancing that with trying to be a good father, uh, involved parent, a good husband, a good friend, like all of that is really in sleeping and taking care of yourself. It's just kind of impossible to balance them all appropriately. So I have been getting down, I would say frequently. I don't know how often, but I think there's spurts where it's like, you know, for these few you know, a couple of weeks at a time, I'm in that rut. And then I work myself out of it and get really productive and I'm winning, I'm getting these small wins. And then like for a few weeks, I'm really feeling great. But then a couple of weeks come up again where I'm feeling down. And it's just this constant cycle, at least for me, of getting in and out of those spurts. But then like there's people that I know that are very even keel and I'm jealous of that where they don't get too up and they don't get too down. Well, I find myself more of the, yeah. I'm more of the roller coaster internally, but on the outside, <laughs> on the outside, I definitely don't show it, which is a problem because the people around me, like in my family, can't read me and don't know when I'm going through those periods. Lately, I've been kind of so. I think that typically for me, twice a year, I go through a really bad rut, and I don't know what that is or what that's really attributed to. And I've talked about this before, and it's just kind of it's my process. I've just recognized it at this point. Like, Hey, this is just kind of where I am right now. And right now I feel like I'm failing in a lot of places and I have no reason to believe that. I mean, it's just, if you look at my numbers, no, it truthfully, my numbers are the highest they've ever been. We just had a ridiculous August and this August was supposed to be crap. And it actually has been ridiculously better than we thought it could be. I think that I'm at like 138% of my goal or whatever. Like the numbers do not lie. However, like my emotions are not matching up to this. And what I don't, what I really don't understand is like, why, why am I feeling like such a that's failure? The, that's well, the fascinating part for real. Yeah. You just hit it spot on. Same thing with me. Like everything's going great, but for some reason, mentally, you don't reflect. I don't know how that happens. I don't know why that happens. Well, and like for me, like this morning I woke up 
uh, $10,500 contract went through. Like I woke up this morning and there was an extra 10 grand in my bank account that was not there the night before. Like I was like, oh, that's cool. But it didn't affect me anymore. I was just like, normally 10 years ago, I would have been over the moon. I'd have been shopping. I'd have been jumping up and down. Like, but now it's just, I don't know if just like my problems are bigger, but I really feel like I'm failing a little bit as a leader. I'm failing a little bit um, just with myself and especially with my family because, you know, my grandfather's getting up in age and I can't be with him as much as I would like to. You know, I'm just... It's just kind so, of all like weighing on me. So I, I'm, I came across a TikTok. Um, <laughs> on, well, I, b- yeah. Before you show this TikTok, I just want to say I'm glad that w- it's a photo booth podcast, right? But I'm glad that we talk about these other things because I think it's extremely common, um, but no one talks about it. And I think people suffer in silence. And quite frankly, if a lot of your friends, like a lot of my peers are just working in their jobs and their careers, it's just hard to find people that relate and like whatever, everything that you're saying, I'm like nodding my head and I'm agreeing with you because I relate to it, but it's hard to find those people. So if you have entrepreneurs in your circle, I think it's helpful to talk to people about these things because it seems it's pretty normal for whatever reason. Yeah. And this is another thing that I kind of think is a little bit interesting. I, I have never like won an award for my job. Like every, and granted also like we don't submit stuff. We don't, I mean, I've had plenty of things published, <clears throat> but as far as like, uh, NACE or ILEA or MPI or any of like those like professional organizations that we're a part of, like I've, I, again, I also don't submit this stuff, but we've never like, I've never like won an award for anything, which not that it means anything to me because I'd much rather have money in my bank account than you know, some little trophy or whatever. <clears throat> but I think it's kind of interesting how uh, I saw this. Uh, it was actually a couple of things. Um, one was a documentary on Rita Moreno. And Rita Moreno was one of the first women um, to EGOT. It means Emmy, Grammy, Oscar, Tony. And funny enough, I was watching Disney Plus, And on The Muppet Show is how she won her Emmy. Um, she did a thing with um, Kermit and Animal, and it was just the cutest thing ever. So she wins her Oscar. She has the shortest Oscar speech in Oscar history. She goes, she was like, wow. She's like, I can't believe it. And she goes, I leave you with that. And she walks off. And <laughs> shortest Oscar acceptance speech ever. So she wins her Oscar for West Side Story. And she was playing herself, which previously she's said that she er, uh, has played um, exaggerated women of color um, and she like indigenous women and just not completely representative of what a Latin woman is. So she, and I have a point, I promise. Um, she, um, she wins her Oscar and she's doing this interview. She's done this interview a couple of times and the interviewer will always ask, so how many offers came rolling in after that? She goes, nothing. She goes, I didn't work at all. So then she goes on and she wins her Grammy for her performance on the Muppet show. And this is actually available on Disney plus. And if you get a chance, really go watch it. 
uh, her Tony for a show called The Ritz, where her character was named Googie Gomez for this over-the-top Puerto Rican character. She was fabulous. Whoopi Goldberg has also won an Emmy, a Grammy, Oscar, and a Tony as well. And they were doing an interview together, and Whoopi was saying how an EGOT really wasn't a thing back then. They didn't know what that's what they were trying to achieve. Actually, Jennifer Hudson just won her EGOT. Um, but you have people that are going out with the intention of winning an Emmy, a Grammy, an Oscar, and a Tony. And Whoopi and Rita are just kind of sitting there talking and going like, that's not what we set out to do. Whoopi goes, we were just trying to get work. And that really resonated with me because all I'm trying to do is just get work. And, you know, yes, we get calls from celebrities and we actually just got a Netflix show and these amazing, awesome things that book. And we don't necessarily go out and try and book these things. They just kind of happen. And just the fact of working is an accomplishment enough for me, especially for working so long and being in the business as long as I have and knowing that people still like what we do and keep calling us year after year. Um, I actually came across a video of Rue McClanahan from the Golden Girls winning her Emmy from 1987. And actually, here's that clip. My mother said to me once, some agents had just turned me down. They said I wasn't photogenic and that I would never work on television. That was in 1960. And um, she said to me, oh, Eddie Rue, for heaven's sake, don't you know every kick's a boost? And I've remembered that over the past 27 years. There've been a lot of kicks and there've been a lot of boosts. I'm not going to mention the people who gave me the kicks, <laughs> but you know who you are. And you'll be in the book. So a few people I'm coming out with the book is what I'm trying to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I just think that and you can say what you need to say in a second. I I just think that getting up in the morning is kick enough. And just working every day and answering the stupid emails and going to the really, really, really boring events and all that stuff is just leading up to just something bigger is what I'm getting at. Yeah, I mean, I think for the last few minutes, what I've been trying to think through in my head um, is how you can be doing well and things are going great, but, but be in a rut. And I think what I've come to at least uh, from what you were saying as well is that as you in the beginning you're just trying to become successful right you're just trying to win the business you're trying to you're trying to get you're trying to hustle and get something but every step in the ladder above that every step up every step up is more challenges is different challenges is different obstacles and even though things are going great and the numbers are going up and the number of events and the staff's getting bigger the the obstacles are changing and getting bigger and going up a level as well. So that's maybe why you're succeeding, but still finding yourself constantly getting in these ruts because you're constantly being challenged. Um, paradoxically, that's what I, I enjoy. I love that the most too, is like, even though it puts me in a rut, I do enjoy that battle. I do enjoy trying to, uh, you know, defeat these challenges, uh, but they're hard sometimes. And I think the hard thing is that you push yourself to the limits and, you don't know that until you're at your limits. 
So it's this constant like in a rut, out of a rut, in a rut, out of a rut thing that you go through. And I just don't know if there's any, I don't know if there's any way around that uh, in a world where you're constantly growing. I think that just kind of comes with the territory a little bit, to be honest. Well, I just took an Adderall, so I'm going to go conquer the world. I'll talk to you later. <laughs> See ya. There you go. <laughs>